Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 8 of Set the Tone Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. You can follow this dumb journey along at Set the Tone underscore pod on Twitter. Again, that is at Set the Tone underscore pod. I'm recording in the middle of Maction right now. Maybe not the best way to keep focus through this entire event because midweek Maction is one of the best things sports fans have going. But I wanted to get into the, I'm not going to call it a controversy, but the times have changed in the day and age of baseball. The Cy Young Awards were just announced. Robbie Ray won in the American League, and Corbin Burns won in the National League. Corbin Burns edged out Zach Wheeler, the only pitcher of the six finalist American and National League combined, that eclipsed 200 innings this year in Major League Baseball. And it's just bizarre to me that, and again, Burns and Wheeler had the exact same amount of first place votes, but, so the edging out was in the second and third place voting. It's sort of marginal, but it's wild. It is wild that the edge goes to Burns in such a close decision when it's a very much an individualistic award. We cannot look at this like the MVP where you put an emphasis on the team getting to the playoffs, right? In the Cy Young, for the most part, these pitchers are going every fifth day. Unless you're Corbin Burns, he's going every other fifth day because analytics say so. They want to protect him, which is okay. I I am not, if I am a Milwaukee Brewers fan, I'm not upset about that because look at the result that you just got out of Corbin Burns in his age 27 season. 173 innings in, what, 28 starts. And he's a 2-4-3 ERA. That, that is okay. But when it comes to the non-team event and individualizing the award, I think some credit needs to be given to Zach Wheeler when he's averaging six and a half innings a start, Burns averaging under six innings a start. And Wheeler gets a little bit of the analytic treatment as well. I mean, all, all pitchers do, and that's the thing of the times have changed. All of these pitchers are getting a little bit of an analytical treatment, so we have to have that understanding. But I would like to see the guy that goes above and beyond. And, and I did see this on Twitter. Someone put it best. Zach Wheeler recorded 139 more outs than Corbin Burns. He was 139 outs better than Corbin Burns this year. There's got to be some sort of credit for that. And he only pitched 213 innings. I mean, five years ago, I'm probably scoffing at this if if Zach Wheeler wins the Cy Young and saying, this is a guy who only went 213 innings and we're giving him out the award. So again, while we're understanding of that, it is just tough. It is. I don't mind analytics. There is a place for them in the game. And albeit I might have more of a 72-year-old man spin in the way I view baseball. There has to be some acknowledgement for what is done outside of the numbers. Right? The intangibles. 
taking the ball every fifth day and telling your team that I got you. I'm going to stabilize the ship when things get a little rocky. And I'm not going to knock Burns for not doing that because he just wasn't allowed to. But I'd like to see a guy like Zach Wheeler get more credit, is what I'm trying to say. And again, this goes to, if you were the Milwaukee Brewers and you're building a team, by all means, it was a very successful method that they put out there. It worked for Burns, it worked for the Milwaukee Brewers. That's A-OK. But it's just so bizarre to me that in this day and age, of the six Cy Young finalists in both leagues, only one eclipsed 200 innings. And you know where baseball runs into a bit of an issue with this too? Is as you try to build stars... Pitchers included. Let's say Corbin Burns. Right? He's in a mid he's in a mid market. It's going to be tough for national broadcast to schedule Brewers games. We don't know when this guy's going to pitch. So for that reason, it's tough to market. And I give the MLB as much shit as anybody about how they market their stars. But the analytics in this pitching case. Do not make it easy. They do not make it easy to market a pitcher. That's for damn sure. Unless the MLB wants to go down a route of where they can flex games. Sure. But. When we have Corbin Burns pitching one. Every tenth day. Can you really say that. You're willing to go out and watch him, watch him pitch. The diehard baseball fan will. At least you have that. But to the average twelve-year-old who's a baseball player and wants to watch a top pitcher, eh? Forget it. They're likely not going to do it. I mean, I like that we remove wins from the Cy Young discussion to a degree. I think there still is something to be said for wins, right? Here's my old adage. Well, wins don't matter. No bad pitcher has ever gotten to 300 wins. That's what I have to say about that. I mean, Zach Wheeler led all of Major League Baseball in innings pitched. 213 and a third for Zach Wheeler. 207 and two-thirds for Walker, Walker Bueller. 206 and a third for Adam Wainwright, which is amazing due to his age. And that's the one where you say, hey, kudos to you, Adam Wainwright. And then the only other to get over 200 innings would be Sandy Alcantara in Miami, 205 and two-thirds. Four pitchers. Over 200 innings. Do we dare go back in time and see the pitching. Let's just go to 2002 and see of the innings pitched in 2002. Randy Johnson with 260. Is everyone in the top 10 over 200 innings? Yes. Number 10, Barry Zito. And again, this is 2002. 
229 and a third. And I'm just using baseball reference and grabbing the top 10 very quickly. But you go Johnson 260, Schilling 259 and a third, Roy Halladay 239 and a third, Mark Burley 239, Tim Hudson 238. Bartolo Colon, 233 and a third. Roy Oswald, 233. Jamie Moyer, 230 and two thirds. And Javier Vasquez for the Montreal Expos, 230 and a third. The times have changed. I get that. It doesn't mean it's right. There has to be, at some point, there has to be a bit of a regression in baseball. And, they, and I'm talking an analytical regression where guys manage with their gut a little bit more. Again, this is why I think Alex Cora is so damn good. It's why Dusty Baker had success. You can use analytics to build a damn team. I think Moneyball, the movie, paints a good picture of the Oakland A's doing so. Of building a team. But there's a reason that you hire a manager. To take care of the 162 and the 9 innings in the 162 and the 27 outs within the 9 innings. I would truly like to know, and and this is me looking at the Terra ball or the, the glass crystal ball. When we've reached that point of analytical regression... And we get a little bit more of a gut instinct back in the game. Is that when star power begins to build again in Major League Baseball? And who knows when that happens. At some point it will. It's just a matter of time. But we cannot tell, unfortunately, when that will become. Maybe it's a player pushback. Maybe that's what it takes. Players to put their foot down and bark at the manager or bark at the front office. Anywho, we move on to the NFL. Well, I'll poo-poo my survivor pick of the week last week. Uh, as I told you, let's really not to think too hard about it. We will take the Pittsburgh Steelers at home over the Detroit Lions. And Pittsburgh went to overtime with the Lions. Pittsburgh had tied the Lions. Those of you who know survivor pools, ties equal losses, and that is exactly what we got. So the Steelers now 5-3-1 move forward, and the Lions still winless 0-8-1. One thing last week in the NFL told us we don't know a lot. I've said this before, it's a very week-to-week league. Hot and cold. Well, it started Thursday with the Miami Dolphins defense showing up. And this is a defense that we fans all saw last year. That was a turnover-heavy defense. It was a problem and kept the Dolphins in playoff contention as they went through a little bit of a quarterback carousel between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa. Well, the Dolphins' defense for the second consecutive week shows up and beats the Ravens on Thursday, 22-10, to negating Lamar Jackson, who went 26-43, 238 yards, a touchdown, threw an interception in the mix there. On nine carries, only held to 39 yards as well. 
Enter Sunday. What do we get? We have a Colts-Jags tightly contested matchup. A Patriots thrashing of the Cleveland Browns in New England. A Washington football team home victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Panthers and Cam Newton throw it back, having a renaissance for two touchdowns. A 34-10 win on the road over the Cardinals. The Vikings, 4-5 and five now, go into L.A., beat the Chargers. The Eagles push the Browns around mile, the Broncos around Mile High Stadium. And now all of a sudden the Kansas City Chiefs are back. Oh, and then, better yet, we get to Monday Night Football. And the 49ers take their fourth game in a row off the L.A. Rams. This seventh wild card in the NFL, utter brilliance. Especially with the way this year has gone. I mean, any team that has three wins right now is 100% still in the mix as we head into Week 11. That includes the Miami Dolphins, who have a soft schedule coming up. That includes a 5-5 five and five Denver Broncos team. As bad as thing, things seem for the Cleveland Browns, they're 5-5, five and five, they're in the mix. The Colts are in the mix at 5-5. Five and five. The Bengals 5-4 and four off a of bye week. The Raiders off a loss. They're still all alive. Right, your wild card teams right now sit as a 5-3-1 Pittsburgh Steelers, a 6-4 New England Patriots, and a 5-4 LA Chargers team. That's just in the AFC. Look at the NFC, and you're still talking about three-win football teams in the mix. Your wild card teams, again, a 7-3 LA Rams team, a 5-4 Saints team, a 5-5 Panthers team going through some quarterback chaos. Sitting behind them, a 4-5 Rams, 4-5 Niners, 4-5 Falcons, 4-6 Eagles. And then we get to the three-win dogs, the Bears, the Seahawks, the Giants, the football team. The Seahawks get Russell Wilson back. Did not play all that well in Lambeau Field. Now, I'm not going to put all the blame on Russell Wilson, I think the Seahawks, just as an entire unit on Sunday, did not look great. But as, again, we move into Week 11, there is a lot to look forward to and a lot of unanswered questions. I honestly thought with Derrick Henry going down that the Tennessee Titans would go into a bit of a tailspin and Ryan Tannehill would be exposed. Now, I always thought Ryan Tannehill was better than the credit he was given for what he did in Miami. Turns out, I look smart in that regard. But I do, in my heart of hearts, think that Derrick Henry made that Titans team immensely better. Now, what I probably underestimated is while Derrick Henry made that Titans team better, Ryan Tannehill also took the necessary strides to get better himself where they can keep a well-oiled machine Moving forward and give credit to Mike Vrabel, the head coach. He has done an absolutely phenomenal job in Tennessee. So as we highlight week 11 in the NFL, things kick off on Thursday night with the Falcons taking on the New England Patriots in Atlanta. A little bit of Super Bowl rematch. How about the Patriots being a seven-point 
road dog. Or I'm sorry, road favorite. So the Falcons are your home dog. And here's something that I find truly interesting is Mac Jones. The buzz around Mac Jones right now and the reception that he has gotten, that he is now the next coming of Tom Brady, is unbelievable because this has just opened up within the last few weeks. And one thing, in week one, when the New England Patriots played the Miami Dolphins, Mac Jones did not look bad. Did not look great, but he did not look bad. And what I attributed that to is the offensive system that Bill Belichick has in place. And again, this goes back to quarterbacks who have stepped up for Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Mallett in spots, Matt Castle has done it as well. Bill Belichick has a fantastic safety net offense for his quarterbacks in place. Now, I will say Cam Newton is a different case because I do not think that his shoulder was where it needed to be to really be successful and run a perfect offense. But Mac Jones is a healthy individual and a competent and capable quarterback can do so. But it is the perfect balance of a dink and dunk offense that can also run the football, but can also stretch the field. And with the brains that be in New England, they are such a mastermind where they're one step ahead of the defense. So when you think they're going to run, they might dump it off. When you think they're going to dump it off, they're going to extend over the middle. So you do need a quarterback who can obviously get the football where it needs to be, but it's so much of that system that allows you to be good. And one thing that system also does is it does not put you in a position for immense failure. Sure, a quarterback can have a bad game, and Mac Jones will at some point, but it's very hard for him to week in and week out look bad in that Patriots system. Anywho, the survivor pick of the week this week, we'll get to it. It'll be the Miami Dolphins over the New York Jets on the road. Oh gosh, now I don't want to do this. They come back in a few weeks and play again in Miami. And we have to noodle on this. I think, is this the game to go shoot your shot on? Right? The Bucks, the Giants at home, Titans, Texans. Here's what I say. If you haven't taken the Titans, take the Titans. If you haven't taken the Dolphins and you've taken the Titans, take the Dolphins. Very unsure after last week. I, in my existing survivor pool when I was alive, had taken the Titans. So this time it would be me to take the Miami Dolphins on the road, a three-point favorite over the Joe Flacco-led New York Jets. That's it here on Set the Tone this week. We'll get you along moving forward. Get through another week in the NFL. We'll see if there's any baseball signings in the mix. Hey, college basketball is tipped off again. College football getting a little interesting. Cincinnati still sits at number five. 
Michigan, number six. We'll watch the Heisman races now as we move forward. And how about Mel Tucker getting a 10-year, $95 million extension? Good for him. The Big Ten is picking up. The SEC is picking up some steam. Hope you enjoyed episode eight. We'll catch you along next time here on Set The Tone. Again, follow along at Set The Tone underscore pod on Twitter.